Let's pray before we begin. Lord please let us understand your word and put it in our hearts. May it shape our lives to be more like your Son. In Jesus' name we ask, Amen. I have lived with the weeping. I think it's quite a miracle that I enjoy life so much. It's funny, isn't it? No preacher in America, I'm sure, hears as many sad people, catches as many tears, hears as many sorrowing and mournful phrases, and counsels with any more people than I do. Yet it's interesting, isn't it, that the biggest criticism I get is that I cut up too much. I wonder why that is. Maybe the dear Lord knows I'd crack up if I didn't have a release and didn't see humorous things. But I've lived for 28 years with the weeping. 28 years I've tried to mend, or helped to mend broken hearts. For 28 years I've walked among the dying. For 28 years they've marched through my office like an army, saying, We're in trouble, we need help. For 28 years I've lived with the bereaved, the troubled, the dying, the destitute, the lonely, the sick, the unloved, the forsaken, the widow, the orphan, the homeless, and the afflicted. I have looked at the last breath of a baby and watched the little stomach not come up again and watched the little baby, 14 or 15 months old, breathe its last breath. And then I would slowly look to the face of the parents who through tears would ask me one question, why? Why? I was called one, one day to St. Margaret's Hospital. For years, one of our finest families, and I would imagine they're here this morning, had prayed for a baby. After ten years, God gave them a baby. One day, driving down the expressway, the mother had an accident, and the little girl, beautiful little girl, was taken in death. I rushed to St. Margaret's Hospital just in time. In fact, not quite in time to see the last breath. And I saw the bleeding dead body of the little baby for whom they had prayed for ten years. And I looked at the body and slowly looked up to the mom and dad who said, Why? Why? I've held a young husband in my arms as he died. I've cradled his dying head in my arms, twenty-nine years of age, as his lovely wife of just a few years stood beside the bed, and I've watched him gasp for his last breath, put his head down the pillow, pull the sheet over his face to look up, to see a lovely face asking, Pastor, why? Why? I have seen the fiancé die. I have seen a young man die. And the bride-to-be take me to a closet and open the door 
and show me the wedding gown never used and turn and shut the door and look at me and say, Pastor, why? Why? I've broken the news of a young man killed on the battlefield to parents who had no idea of his death. I've sat down in the living room and looked in the face of parents and said, Pastor, <clears throat> why are you here? What can we do for you? And I've said, Your son has been killed in action. And I've seen the strong, broad-shouldered man who seldom weeps stand up and through moistened eyes and quivering lips say, Preacher, why? Why? I've watched the brains fall out of a father's head, <clears throat> just taken a gun and committed suicide. I've seen the body still jumping and literally the brains pouring out his head mixed with blood with an 11-year-old girl standing looking at her father. The gun is still smoking. And she says, Pastor, why? Why? I buried the third little baby of a family. Three times the doctor said he's gone. Three times they've gone to the little funeral chapel and had heard words of comfort from the pastor. Three times they've gone to babyland and laid side by side by side little lives for which they've prayed and dreamed and hoped. And I've turned to walk away from the cemetery to feel a tap on the shoulder and the mother looking up who had born in her own, from her own body with her own pain and suffering those three precious children. Brother Hiles, why? Why? I've looked at the still-smoking pistol of a murderer who had shot his wife in cold blood and seen a little boy wiping his eyes, saying, Preacher, why? Why? I've talked to a husband whose wife was sitting in the car, her body of his wife sitting in the car. She'd gone to the garage and turned on the car and killed herself sitting at the wheel of the car with a closed garage. And I've had the man sit in the living room with his wife's body slumped in the car, still warm. I said, Pastor, why? Why? I've sat in waiting rooms. I've sat in a waiting room in McKinney, Texas, while a man was having brain surgery, a young husband having brain surgery. I saw the door open. I was sitting beside the wife and between the two boys, and the doctor walked out. And the doctor said, Mrs. Porter, he's gone. And I felt the arms of that lady around my neck as she looked up and said, Preacher, why? 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 I've sat beside beds when doctors came in and said, we have the reports of the x-rays and the tests, and it's terminal cancer. He has only a few days to live. 
I've had loved ones and patients say, Pastor, why? 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 I hear it in the night. Why? I hear it when I'm alone. Why? 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 And sometimes I want to shout back, I don't know why! But I could go further than that and say, I don't want to know why. I don't want to know why. There are two reasons why I don't want to know why. First reason is, if I did, I'd miss a great chance to please God. The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. No way to please God without faith. And that means when we look up and do not ask why, or ask why, and do not know why, and hear no answer, and yet we say, the Lord is given, the Lord is taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord, that pleases God. You see, faith is that thing that pleases God. By the way, if you knew why, it wouldn't be faith. If I could say this is why the baby was taken, no faith is present. If I could say this is why your husband suddenly dropped dead of the heart attack, you wouldn't have to have faith. And if you did not have to have faith, you couldn't please God. I, uh, I know it pleases me when people trust me. You know, I was telling my Sunday school class this morning, <clears throat> things that please me, I don't know anything I want. I, if you said, write down something that you want today, something you want, I'd have to think and think and think and think. I'd want with a fist to be nicer to me. But uh, I, uh, I don't want anything. But I'll tell you what pleases me. When a little girl spends an hour making a little card and says, I love you, preacher, and she draws a house, and the house looks a little bit more like a telephone pole than it does a house. But she brings it to me, and she says, I love you, preacher. That pleases me. When somebody slides a note under my door and says, Brother Hiles, <clears throat> I had special prayer for you last night. I, God impressed, told me to pray for you last night a little extra hard. That pleases me. It pleases me when a lady like last week brings me a little cake about that big square puts a note on it, we made some cookies or cake, and we thought you'd like to have some. They're health food, and thought you'd like to have some. It pleases me when a couple brought me some special tea that they had and put it outside my door last week. But there's nothing that pleases me any more than this. If you want to please me, this is what pleases me. When a young person comes to my office and says, Preacher, I trust your judgment. I'll do what you say. Now that pleases me. Why? They're saying, I have faith in you. Sometimes they come and say, Well, I can't see that. doesn't make sense to me. That doesn't please me. But if they say in their hearts, I can't see it, but he can. I don't know, but he does. He's been down the road farther than I. He loves me. He knows what's best. And the young person says, I trust you. I recall one day a little lady came to my office. And uh, uh, 
<coughs> she wanted to be something, I forget what it was, it was some, some kind of profession that, that an atheist could be. And uh, she wanted to be, and I, I said, now, I, I think God wants you to do something for him. I do not believe that God has let you grow up in this church and in your home unless you did something for God. I said, why don't you go away to school and, and maybe to a place like Tennessee Temple or Bob Jones University. That was before the best college in America was founded. And uh, <clears throat> why don't you go there and prepare yourself to be uh, a, a Christian school teacher? But she said, I, well, I just don't quite understand it. And I said, now look, I don't think anything wrong with being what you're going to be. But I believe God wants you to do something more. You're one of the finest girls we have. And she said, Okay, preacher, I'll trust you. And she went, and she came back. And now she's Gail McKinney, whom Dr. Elmer Town says is America's greatest teacher. It pleased me when she trusted me. It pleased me when a young preacher <clears throat> came back from college after being there a few days or a few weeks, and he said, Brother Howes, I'm going to quit school. I've got to get out and get busy for God. Jesus is going to come. I'm not going to finish school. He went to Tennessee Temple, and I said, You go back. Go back! And he said, But the Lord's going to come, and I've got to hurry. I said, You go back and get your sword sharpened and get it, get it, get it ready and sharp and pointed so you can fight the battle for God. You can do something big for God someday if you won't quit. He said, I trust you, preacher. He walked out of my office and went back to Tennessee Temple College, and that young man's name is George Zarius, who's building one of the great churches in the state of Illinois today. He trusted me. You know, one of the reasons why when Arlene Beck got her diploma, that little bus kid that's grown up here, and then she went off to Bob Jones University and had cancer, and God healed her of cancer. She came back to our college and got a degree, and she's going down to teach school in an orphanage uh, down in Mississippi. Uh, it's a terrible place to go, but everybody's got to go somewhere. And uh, <clears throat> down in Mississippi, teach school in an orphanage. And, and, uh, and one of the reasons why I wept the other night was because, because I sat in my office and I said, Arlene, you stay in You stay with it. Don't you quit. And she said, Preacher, I'll trust what you think is best. One reason it pleased me when I gave these two honorary degrees to the Smith boys, I don't know how many times they've sat in my office and they've said, Preacher, we'll do what you think is best. Terry Smith, back yonder when he was having the battle in the early days where he pastors now, he'd call me on the phone and say, Preacher, I've got to have help. Help me. And I'd tell him, and he'd say, I'll do what you say. I'll trust you. It pleases me. Now, if, 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 if it pleases me, an imperfect, weak, frail creature of dust, and those who love me trust me, I wonder how much it must please the omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, heavenly Father. When we say, dear God, if you don't tell me why, that'll be okay. Because I, I know you do what's best. I don't always know why. I sat in my office last night and tried to say why to a little lady who had prayed for God to give her a baby girl, and God did, and then God took it away, and I tried to tell her why. I don't know why, but I know somebody who knows why, and he'll tell us in his own good time. You just trust him. He knows what's best. You know what pleases God? It pleases God when a mother 
turns away from a grave after having watched a little artificial grass placed over a box that holds a little body to which she gave life, looks up to God and says, Dear God, I trust you. That pleases God. It pleases God when a wife walks into an empty house, sits at an empty table, sees a picture on the mantel, and says, Dear God, he was so young. I don't know why, but I trust you. That pleases God. Faith pleases God. You know what pleases God? Pleases God when a man wakes up from surgery. Surgery on his eyes, a man that I know. Surgery on his eyes. And he opens his eyes, but he can't see. He said to me 15, uh, 18 years ago, he said, Pastor, if God wanted me to see, he could let me see. If God wants me blind, I want to be blind. That pleases God. One of our deacons in Texas was blind named Bill Falstaff. And, uh, no, not Falstaff. Falstaff. Bill Falstaff was blind. <clears throat> and, uh, and he said, I want to quit. I want to quit. God wants me blind. He became a television repairman. Can you imagine it? Sticking his hands back in the back of that set. with, with can't even see. I've seen that fellow up on top of a house uh, repairing an antenna. I mean, I've seen him climb. I wouldn't get up there myself. And I've seen him climb up on top of the house repairing an antenna by himself. He said, I won't quit. God knows he doesn't want me to see. And if God doesn't want me to see, I don't want to see. I recall I used to sit beside him sometime at deacons, banquets, and so forth. <coughs> and uh, I'd, uh, he'd have to play games. I'd say, Bill, we're going to play a game. Guess where the strawberry Sunday is? He'd get his spoon out, and I'd move the Sunday over, you know, and he'd push the spoon down. And he liked that. He'd laugh and laugh and laugh. I liked it too, by the way, because I ate his Sunday. And, uh, <clears throat> but he'd laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. He knew what was best and what pleases God. Pleases God when a man like Charles Foreman had emphysema for years and hadn't seen for years. Pleases God when he says, God knows what's best for me. I used to say to Mr. Foreman, he died just recently, I went to heaven recently. I used to say to him, and you gotta get you gotta get out of this hospital because if you're gonna umpire this summer and he was blind. Of course all the blind umpires are blind out at Wrigley Field. And uh, <clears throat> so are the batters. But uh, he uh, I said, you got to get out. And when he died, he, before he died, he said to his wife, he said, when I breathe my last breath, this blind man took, he said, when I breathe my last breath, said, take off these glasses and throw them as far as you can throw them. I won't be needing them anymore. That pleases God. You know what pleases God? It pleases God. When a couple in our church recently found that their baby had a spinal meningitis and high fever came, and the baby was left with blindness and retardation. And the family brings the baby hearts crushed, but they know there's a reason for it. This morning down in the hospital in Nashville, Tennessee, <coughs> Dr. Bill Rice, my good friend of many years. Dr. Bill Rice and Kathy lived over here in Wheaton, Illinois. 
The little baby girl got spinal meningitis one time, 160 degrees of fever. And after she got well, they noticed that she wasn't hearing. And they took her and found she was deaf. They went to every doctor they could find. They saved their money. They spent a lifetime of savings trying to find how can we, or what can we do? And finally, after they'd gone to the greatest doctors and hospitals and had the best test in the world, they came to the conclusion, our girl will never hear. And she has never heard. And they didn't know why. But out of that came the great Bill Rice Ranch, the greatest ministry to the deaf in the history of the New Testament church. It pleases God. You know what pleases God? And my little mother lost both of her first two girls. I've never said this in public. I've never even told my mother this. But I can recall when I was growing up, many times my mother would tiptoe to the other room and pull out a drawer and a little folder. She had two little pictures. I can see my mother. She thought I was asleep or out in the yard. I can see her look at little Lorene's picture and Hazel's picture. And I can see the tears streaming down her cheeks. And then she'd hear me. She'd put the pictures back in the drawer out quicker and shake her head, wipe her face, and, and smile. That pleases God. It pleases God when the burdens come and we still trust Him. It pleases God when death comes to our families, and we still trust Him. It pleases God when we look up to heaven and say, we don't know why, but we know You're our God, and we know You love us more than we love ourselves, and You know what's best for us, and You see down the way, and we trust You. That's what pleases God. And if you could see, you couldn't please God because you couldn't have faith if you could see. Faith is not seeing. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And that word evidence there is a word that comes from the word title deed. It is claiming title to something you don't even see how you can have. Faith <coughs> is blind. <coughs> Faith is blind. There's another reason why I don't want to see and why I don't want to know why. And that is because <coughs> if I did... I wouldn't have the joy someday of finding out why. Listen to me carefully. Over in the book of John, our Lord talks to Peter. And he talks about his going away. And he says to Peter, Peter, there's some things that you can't know now. You can't know here. And then later on he says, there's some things you can know hereafter. And a little later on he says, there's some things that you'll know afterward. Now there's some things that I know now. <clears throat> Dr. Billings, I know now why God wants this church here. I know now why God wants Hammond Baptist High School and Hammond Baptist Grade School and Hiles Anderson College. I know now why I've got to work hard, and I know now why I can't do things that some folks can enjoy. I know that now. There's some things I do not know right now. There's some things that I don't know. There's some scars that I've got... I don't know. I do not know now, for example, and I don't mean to, for you to feel sorry for me, but I don't know why folks, this is, it sounds strange to you because you know it, because I don't know why folks hate me. Now, you know because you used to hate me. Most of you did. How many of you at one time didn't like me? Raise your hand. Be honest about it. Isn't that terrible? How ignorant and dumb can you be? 
<coughs> but I said last night to somebody, I do not have a, an unkind feeling in my heart toward a living human being. And I can't understand. I mean it. I got a letter last week, fellas, I'm going to kill you and McGovern. And if he'd take McGovern, I'd be willing to go. I don't know. I don't know why he said that. I don't know why. I mean, why if I don't want to kill a nice guy like me, he beats me. I don't understand that. But I will. I will. I can't tell you, Dave and Marcia, why you went to the crib one morning. He wasn't breathing. I can't tell you. I can't tell you, Mrs. Foreman, why he was blind for so many years. I don't know why. I can't tell you. I can't tell you, Mrs. Gifford, why he was taken when he was one of the finest men we had in our church. I can't tell you. I don't know why. I can't tell you, Mrs. Fields, why Verdi Fields, my good friend, assistant chairman of our deacon board, was taken. I can't tell you why he went so early. I can't tell you, Cunningham, why that teenage boy was killed in the car wreck. I don't know. I don't know. I can't tell you. I don't know the why, and I don't want to know. Brother Hilton, won't it be a wonderful thing to get to heaven and say, Is that why? <laughs> Is that why? <laughs> well, I'll there. And you know, I got about 50,000 whys I won't answer it about the first day I'm there. <clears throat> and you talk about fun. Is that why? Is that why? Dr. Billings, I can't tell you why you had to grow up in an orphanage. But you'll know why one of these days. Brother Sully, I can't tell you why you have to live a life without an arm. For the Fisk, I don't know why you'd have to live a life without a brain. <laughs> but there's a reason why. <laughs> One lady said the other day, she said, Make up your mind whether you're going to cry or laugh in church. Bless God. I've learned. I don't know why my daddy was lost. I don't know why my dad was a drunkard. I don't know why he died a drunkard's death. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why that little nine-year-old girl, and I'm trying to think of her name all of a sudden, I can't, who died in the hospital, uh, Leanna Stanley. I don't know why that little girl suffered like she did. Brother Mrs. Rice, I don't know why that little boy of yours with that kidney problem suffered. I've never seen a child suffer like that. I don't know why he had to suffer. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But for 28 years, I've been running, I've been going steady. 
with him who knows. And every once in a while he says, Son, let me tell you why. And I say, Don't tell me yet. I'd rather trust you and not know. And I'd rather, when I see you, have heaven made sweet air. Suppose you doctors are here this morning. Suppose you diagnosed a case, prescribed the medicine of the cure, and the patient said, Doctor, give me a list of other patients, at least a dozen names, addresses, and phone numbers. I want to contact other patients who had the same disease and, and took the same cure. I want to talk to them and see what they said. And you may not mind doing that, but it wouldn't please you. It wouldn't please you. Brother John, <clears throat> I saw you at church last night. You're walking down the hallway. And uh, suppose you went home last night and Elaine said, uh, Johnny, where you been? He said at church. Now, how do I know you haven't been out in a tavern somewhere or some blonde? Now, it was not true because it was a brunette that I saw him with last night. <laughs> But how do I know you haven't been out in a tavern somewhere? And uh, he says, well, well, I haven't. I've been down at church. She says, okay, go back and get a signed statement from Brother Hiles that he saw you alone in the hall of the church. And go down to the tavern and get a signed statement down there from the fellow, old Guzzlin Gus down there at the tavern, that you were not in the tavern. John would say, I'll do it, but it doesn't please me. And I look up and I say, dear Lord, why the tears? Why the heartache? Why the sorrow? No, Lord, please, don't tell me why. I don't want to know why. I want to please you. And the Lord, I think, looks over to the angels and said, <laughs> did you hear what he said? <laughs> did you hear what he said? He doesn't even want to know why. He trusts me. He trusts me. And that pleases God. And that means those of you that have the biggest burden, that means you have the greatest opportunity of all of us to please God. Tell the Giffords and tell the Stanleys and, and uh, what's the couple lost today recently for the fifth, the young couple? Atkinsons. Tell the Atkinsons and... And uh, and uh, and tell uh, uh, Dr. Billings and and tell the foremans and tell all of them who suffer the most. They have the greatest chance of all of us to please God. For without faith, it is impossible to please Him. I guess I was thinking this morning of the happiest people. I guess I know. <clears throat> happiest people I know. Dr. Bill Rice is one of them. You ever see Dr. Bill down the dumps? Dr. Bill ever call you on the phone and you fellows and say, I'm having a tough, tough time? Never. Howdy, neighbor. We're sure glad you're here. I told him that that horse he's got down there, what's the horse's name he, he rides? A horse. I said to me that you look like twins. <clears throat> Been together so much you look alike. <laughs> the happiest people I know. 
Huh. Looks like to me you wouldn't be happy that the daughter's been deaf all these years. Mrs. Rice just had surgery for serious cancer not long ago. Now he's in the hospital. Oh, when a preacher's voice is gone, brother, that, what, that's it. You don't know. You just don't know. You could never know unless you're a preacher. When your voice is gone, you can't speak. You're paralyzed. And yet he could say, I'm going to join Oral Roberts. Happy. Why? Because he trusts the Father. He trusts the Father. <laughs> Old Dr. John Rice, one of the happiest men I ever met, Dr. John Rice. His mother was, when he was six years old, his mother passed away and sang, How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you have said, you who unto Jesus for refuge have fled? And uh, raised an orphan boy. Nobody's taken the guff and criticism. Unjustly so, that old man of God is taken. One of the happiest men I know. I'll see him Monday week, and he'll say, Hello, Dr. Howe. How were the services yesterday? You know, if that church had a pastor, they'd sure go to town. One day I was... He, he slept, overslept for an evening service. <clears throat> I won't tell you all the story, but he overslept. He woke up, he was sort of dopey. You know how you are sometimes you wake up and... And he wasn't ready to preach, and I could tell it. And it's time for him to go preach. And I, I said, Dr. Rice, you've got to go preach. And he, So I said, now I'm going to do something. I, I, that, <laughs> I don't want to do this. I'm going to do it. I said, I've got to wake you up. And I slapped him across the face. I said, wake up, Dr. Rice. And he said, thanks. I needed that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Nothing in the world but this book can cause a fellow to be in the prison cell and write letters and say, My God shall supply all of my needs according to riches and glory by Christ Jesus, except the gospel of Christ. I don't know why. I don't want to know why. I just want to have confidence that he knows why. And whenever he gets ready to tell me, I'll take it, but I want to please him. And I want someday to look down and find out why. You say, how can I please God? Trust Him, that's all. Trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. Our Heavenly Father, it pleases us when folks trust us. It pleases you when we trust you. Thank you that faith is blind. We won't ask you to tell us why now. In fact, we'd rather not know why right now. Because we can please you more if we don't know yet. Now, Father, bless the closing moments of this service. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I'll ask that no one leave or move, please, now. This is too sacred a time for us to be moving around. This morning, if you do not know that you're saved, there's only one thing you can do to please God. Faith. If you're not saved, baptism won't please God. If you're not saved, your good works won't please God.
If you're not saved, you're turning over a new leaf. Won't please God. If you're not saved, you're taking communion. Won't please God. The only thing you can do to please God is trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. Come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord. And He will surely give you rest by trusting in His Word. Only trust Him. Only trust Him. Only trust Him now. He will save you. He will save you. He will save you now. I wonder how many would say, Brother Hiles, I've never trusted Jesus as my Savior. I do not know that if I died today I would go to heaven, but I wish I did know. I want to go to heaven. I want to be saved. But I do not know that I'm going to heaven. Pray for me, Brother Jet, Brother Hiles. I want to be saved and know it. First on the main floor. If you don't know that you're going to heaven, but you wish you did, you'd say, Pray for me. Lift your hand, please, on the main floor. Way up high, and I'll pray for you. I won't, I won't hurt you, but God bless you, son. God bless you back there, little lady, and God bless you, sir. God bless you. Who else on the main floor? The lower floor. God bless you back in the back. I see you, and God bless you on the front. Yes, and over here on my left, and over here I see one, and there's several over here. Yes, I see you. And God bless you there, little girl, little young lady. God bless you, sir. Who else on the main floor? The lower floor. Brother Howes, I don't know that I'm saved, but I wish I did. Pray for me. Would you lift your hand, please? God bless you, sir. God love you. Who else? God bless the two ladies. Yes, I see you. God bless you. God bless you. I'm guessing a mother and daughter. Is that right? God bless you. God bless you. And yes, I see you back there. Anybody else on the main floor? God bless you, son. You can put your hand down now. Who else? Let's go to the balcony. Who upstairs would say, Brother Hiles, I don't know that I'm going to heaven, but I wish I did. Pray for me. God bless you over here on my left. Who else in the balcony? Pray for me. I don't know that I'm saved, but yes, God bless those two up here on my right. God bless you. God bless you there, sir. I see you. God love you. Who else upstairs in the balcony? Pray for me. I don't know that I'm saved, but I wish I did. Pray for me. Pray for me. Who else? God bless you, little lady. I see you. Who else? Our Heavenly Father, I do pray for these. I could save them, I would, but I can't. But I can tell them who can. And I hope they'll trust Jesus as Savior now. Thank you for listening, and if you like this, please subscribe and consider liking my Facebook page and joining my group Jesus Answers Prayer.